0: It is good to be back with you all and back online. For those of you who are at home this morning, um, we trust that you guys had a good Christmas and New Year. I know for many people, it was not necessarily the Christmas or New Year you had planned um, as maybe you got sick or family members were sick. No, we heard from lots of people that, that plans were changing rapidly over the last couple of weeks. Um, And so no matter what your Christmas, your New Year's looked like, um, we are grateful that we have the chance to be here with you, grateful to be able to be with you online, Um, and we're looking forward to a good year coming up like the years in the past. We don't know what 2022 will bring, uh, but what we are assured of is the presence of God walking with us, um, giving us strength, giving us hope. Um, and giving us the courage to face whatever tomorrow and the tomorrows of 2022 will bring our way. Christmas is um, over for most people. Um, In our family, we like to celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, which means we get to keep up our Christmas decorations for a few more days still. Uh, Right now we're on day nine um, of Christmas, so still a couple more. Uh, But for the most part, people um, this weekend are all taking down their Christmas lights, um, dragging their Christmas tree out to the the driveway for trash pickup this week. Uh, Christmas is is pretty much over and done with. Um, At our house, the kids are already counting down how many days until next Christmas comes back again. (laughs) It's like, it's a lot of days, guys, (laughs) too many to keep track of. You're back in town, maybe if you had family visiting you, they've left town, and life um, is pretty much going back to normal, um, whatever normal will look like, right? But for Mary and Joseph, after Christmas, life pretty much went back to normal also. Um, They had a pretty extraordinary nine months leading up to Christmas, right? They had... um, They went from lives of relative obscurity uh, to being visited by angels, Um, Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth and hearing about a miraculous pregnancy for her cousin um, and then sharing her own miraculous pregnancy. They had an incredible trip to Bethlehem, um, a birth in a stable that they weren't planning on. angels announcing the birth of their son, shepherds who came to visit them. Uh, All in all, it was a pretty exciting, um, for better or worse, few months and an exciting birth. But then they traveled back home to Nazareth and life pretty much just went back to normal. This morning we're going to look at a couple of verses in Luke chapter 2. Um, Luke chapter two, beginning in verse thirty-nine, and and here we have Mary and Joseph after all of the activity, all of the excitement, um, going back to whatever normal looks like for someone with a newborn. So in Luke two thirty-nine, when they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was upon him. Alfred Hitchcock um, said one time that movies are life with all the dull bits cut out. Right? We don't watch movies to see the, the characters go about their ordinary daily lives. Right? We want to see the action, we want to see the excitement, we want to see the car chase or the moment of falling in love. We don't want to see people going to work, doing their laundry, walking the dog, right? all of the normal, ordinary parts. Back in the early 2000s, there was um, that show 24. I don't know if any of you ever watched that. But the whole premise of this show, um, for a whole season, it takes place in just 24 hours. And there's usually some terrorist plot um, that always seems to happen in LA. Um, and so the, this anti-terrorist unit there in LA is trying to um, trying to stop some disaster from having, happening, but they only have 24 hours. The strange thing is that over the course of that 24 hours, no one ever uses the bathroom. No one is ever stuck in traffic, which is really, really not believable because it's LA. I've lived in LA for many years, and there is traffic everywhere. But you'll have um, one scene that they're in Santa Monica, and then there's a countdown clock that goes throughout the show. 10 minutes later, that character is in downtown LA. And there is no way, right? There's no way it would take you 10 minutes any time of day, much less in rush hour traffic. That's because nobody wants to watch the anti-terrorist people sitting in traffic. That's, That's not exciting TV. Movies and TV are life with all the dull bits cut out. If Mary and Joseph's life was a movie or a TV show, those years back in Nazareth when Jesus is growing up, that would be the part that gets cut out. That would be the boring, ordinary bit that gets cut out. And maybe at best, it would be a montage scene, right? With some music in the background. You see Jesus going from being an infant to crawling to walking. Um, And then one day, you know, he's a full grown man, able to finally go about ministry. These were years where nothing of significance seemed to be happening not much important or really interesting enough to be recorded by Jesus's four biographers, right? He had four biographies written about him, and there are a couple of verses dedicated to his growing up years, to really three decades of his life that we don't really know about because I think it was really very ordinary. With Christmas over and New Year beginning, a lot of us are kind of turning our eyes and our sight towards growth, right? Towards our own personal growth, um, goals that we have for ourselves, for work, for our families, relationships. Uh, we looked over the last year and maybe the things that we wish we had accomplished, but life just derailed them. And so we're thinking to 2022 and maybe resetting some goals. new things that we want to see God do in and through our lives. And here, my hope is that in, in these few short verses uh, that we get in Luke chapter 2 about Jesus' life in Nazareth, I hope that maybe we can catch a picture of what God's um, design is for our growth. The, the way, the ordinary ways and means that God works in us and through us to develop us to grow us, mature us, to to cause us to grow into the people he's designing us to be. So we're going to look at the location, the method, and the rate of growth um, that God uses to work in our lives. The location, the method, and rate of growth. And first, the location. We look at Jesus' life. The location where his growth happened was in Nazareth. We often think of God doing big works in our lives, in the mountains, or maybe even in the valleys of life, right, like the high points of our life where things really exciting are happening, um, maybe really important markers in our life, or we'll give God the, the chance to work in our lives through the valleys, through the, the struggles and the disappointments of life. But oftentimes, I think we miss out on what God is doing in those in-between areas the Nazareths of life. For some reason, um, Nazareth had gotten this reputation where people would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right, because this was a town that nothing really happened in. If you um, watch Christmas Hallmark type movies, you know how there's there's usually like one storyline for all of them. Um, But one of the storylines tends to be that you've got this old um, historic building, right? Maybe it's an inn. And this inn is about to be redeveloped um, and changed, brought into the 21st century. And so the whole town is getting together, trying to figure out how they can save this historic landmark. And the only way they can keep this uh, building from getting changed and updated is to prove that something of historic Um, magnitude happened in that place, and they have to do it before Christmas, right? So that's always the the storyline. If Nazareth was the place that a Hallmark movie was set, the developers would win because they would not have been able to find anything extraordinary that happened in that place. There were not famous people born there. There weren't amazing, you know, a treaty signed or anything like that. It was... It was just another ordinary town and this is the place where Jesus grew and developed where God worked in him so that he would grow not only in stature but he'd grow in wisdom and understanding this ordinary place is the location that God used to grow and develop Jesus Like a filmmaker, we too can be tempted to cut out the ordinary bits and dull bits of our lives, the decades that are spent in obscurity, in ordinary places like Nazareth, the years that we spend going to work, caring for children or parents, the, the days and years spent doing household tasks, the the ordinary moments of life where nothing significant seems to happen, the regular moments of work meetings and daily commitments, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of these ordinary spaces in our life? This is where most of our life is spent, not in the high highs or the low lows, but in the ordinary places like Nazareth. And what if this is the way that God has designed for much of our life to work, for much of our growth to happen in the ordinary locations, not simply in the extraordinary moments of life. Because if we think that God only works in the extremes in the mountains and the valleys, we might miss out On the extraordinary work he wants to do in and through us as our lives are spent in our own nazareths if we cut out all of the dull bits just trying to get to the exciting moment where we think god really will do something good in us we might well be fast forwarding through the extraordinary work that god is doing the very location of the transformation that he's longing to see in us Jesus grew, he became strong, he was filled with wisdom in Nazareth. So if the location of our growth is often in the ordinary places of Nazareth, then the method of our growth might just be as mundane and boring. The method of our growth, I think, often is in the ordinary and forgettable moments of life. If I brush my teeth in the morning and it's out of order, out of the normal routine of getting ready, I will completely forget if I've actually brushed my teeth or not. And so oftentimes I'll end up maybe brushing my teeth twice because I can't actually remember if I did or not. Because something like brushing our teeth is something that we do so frequently and so commonly Uh, that our mind doesn't think that it actually needs to do the work of embedding it into our long-term memory. And there are so many things like this throughout our days and our weeks and our years that we take part in, and it just doesn't get lodged into our memory. The same goes for most of our daily meals. Anglican priest and author Tish Harrison Warren in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, writes this. There are a few very good meals I remember, and there are a few truly terrible meals. I think we can all attest to that. But most of the meals I've eaten, thousands upon thousands were utterly unremarkable. If you asked me what I ate for lunch three weeks ago on a Monday, I could not tell you. And yet the average forgettable meal nourished me thousands of forgotten meals have brought me to today. They've sustained my life, they were my daily bread. We are endlessly in need of nourishment and nourishment comes usually like taco soup, abundant and overlooked. Isn't this so true? The average forgettable meals of life are what sustain us, what nourish us, and what cause us to grow. It's not just the memorable meals that nourish. It's not just the meals that are lodged into our long-term memory, not just the amazing holiday dinners or the extravagant date nights. We are quick to be able to point out what God has done in our lives in the big, extraordinary, memorable moments, right? When there's a time in a, maybe a small group or with friends to be able to share testimonies of what God has done in our life, usually the things that spring to mind are the extraordinary, right? Not the, the normal moments of our life. The big moments are the ones that are etched into our long-term memory, like memorable meals, because they're special, they're unique, they're dramatic. But sometimes we don't notice the way that God has transformed us or grown us through the ordinary meals, the ordinary acts of nourishment in our lives. The transformation that comes through the abundant and overlooked gift of his daily bread with us the forgettable times in Scripture that nourished us nonetheless, the times in prayer maybe we fell asleep on the job, the Sundays we gathered for worship and nothing really extraordinary seemed to happen, right? You might go home and feel like, oh, that was kind of a waste of a Sunday morning, right? Because it, I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes I feel that way, right? It's like nothing big or exciting seemed to happen, But it was in these everyday gifts that God has given us, the the everyday meals that he sets before us, where he's sustaining us, growing us, developing something in us. Just like Jesus, who grew and developed day by day in Nazareth, the way he was fed by countless ordinary meals around his family's dinner table. Nothing extraordinary, but taken all together, those meals are what nourished him and caused him to grow from an infant, to a toddler, to a young man, and finally to Jesus that we see as he entered into um, the public ministry in his life. His life developed in obscurity his character was formed um, in countless everyday interactions with his family, with his friends, with other people that lived in the town with him as he went about the daily work of carpentry and helping his family. Do we despise those ordinary days when nothing visible seems to be taking place? Or do we see these as the abundant means of god developing his character within us forming jesus in us a work that happens below the surface work that isn't often noticed by other people because it's slow and hidden in zechariah chapter 4 we um we hear this this word spoken by god to his people and at the time the the temple had been in ruins for decades, and Zerubbabel was beginning the new work of laying a foundation. And as he was beginning this work, the word of God came to him and said to the prophet, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Foundations are being laid, but there's nothing exciting about a foundation being laid. Right, you can't um, take amazing video montages of, of a foundation being laid. It's just kind of flat and boring. Work is happening under the surface, work that's needed for the future growth that's gonna come. But at the beginning, it's not very exciting and to the average onlooker, it might seem like nothing is actually happening. When I was, uh, pregnant with our two boys, two different pregnancies, um, thankfully not twins. (laughs) That's a whole different story, as some of you know. Um, But during those pregnancies, um, I would sometimes half-jokingly to Vince, tell him at the end of the day, like, oh, today, I just grew a human eyeball. Or today, I I developed an entire um, nervous system for a human being. What did you do with your day? When Mary was pregnant with Jesus, for most of the time, it didn't seem like anything was actually happening. From day to day, nobody could see the growth that was taking place. Sure, from maybe one month to the next, you could see some outward sign of the growth that was happening within, but again, day by day, you couldn't see the fingerprints that were forming the hair that was growing, the bones that were developing. You couldn't see the the heart as it began to beat. Because all of that work was happening below the surface. Jesus is being formed in us, and I believe it happens in the womb of our everyday lives. Our ordinary days, our working and resting our eating, our being together with friends and family, our worship together as a church community. This is true not only personally, but for us as a community. And so would we live our days with the prayer for God's daily bread to be found in our lives? And that we would receive with gratitude every meal that he serves us both the extraordinary and the memorable meals that he gifts us with, the extraordinary and memorable moments of growth and work that he does in us, as well as the ordinary and forgettable moments, those meals that God is sustaining us on a daily level, whether we remember it or not. So if the location of our growth is Nazareth and not the mountains or valleys, If the method of our growth is often ordinary, like countless ordinary meals, then what about the rate of our growth? The account of Jesus's life in Nazareth, his his development um, was so common that it was only given a sentence or two in scripture. And I think that's because there wasn't anything extraordinary about the way Jesus developed. He developed the same way you and I do slowly over the course of decades. Canadian theologian Mark Buchanan argues that becoming like Jesus doesn't happen quickly for anyone. God made people to grow slowly. After all, where most animals transition from babyhood to adulthood in about a year, it takes the average human 18 years at least to grow into an adult body. As in the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, so in the spiritual. He writes, we are made to mature at a snail's pace. though snails, of course, mature much faster. (laughs) (laughs) If we're honest, I think most of us are uncomfortable with the rate of growth that God works in our lives. Most of us want Jesus to be fully formed in us in a moment. 2 Peter 3.8 says that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some think of slowness. Now, I'm sorry, but I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like a God who can work over the course of eons. I want a God who works now and quickly. I don't want a God who can see a day the same as a thousand years. Often I find myself like Veruca Salt in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? I don't care how, but I want it now. (laughs) Jesus, I want you to do this in my life now. This is the growth that I wanna see in 2022, and I want it to be done before the end of the year. We wanna dictate to God the speed, the rate that he works in and through our lives. We don't want the boring in-between years of slow growth in Nazareth, the boring ordinary days of Christ being formed in us, of us growing in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Instead, I think we want microwave spirituality, right? We want to pray a prayer of confession and acceptance of Jesus as our Lord and Savior And then we want to punch a minute, 30 seconds on the microwave, press start, and then ding, Jesus is fully formed in us. But that's not how God seems to work. He doesn't develop and grow within us in an instant. But we're the ones that don't have time for the way God works we're the ones that don't seem to have the time for the decades of slow growth that God wants to develop in us. We like the story of Saul, right? When Saul is on the road to Damascus and there's the blinding light that knocks him off of his horse and his life is changed in an instant. It really is. God does miraculous works in a moment. But what we often forget is that there is a decade of Paul's life between his moment, his miraculous moment on the road to Damascus and his first missionary journey. And somewhere in that decade, he spent a few years in the desert studying, a few years, right? And he spent more years than that back in his old hometown and we don't really know what he was doing. But what we can say is there was a deep work that God was doing in his life in that decade There was growth and transformation that took place that changed Paul from the man he was before he was on that road to Damascus to the man who wrote so many of the words of scripture, to the man who who planted so many churches around the world. But that work happened slowly over a decade of his life. People really like fast-growing trees, right? If you've got a home and you're wanting to plant um, something in your yard, oftentimes we want a a fast-growing tree because you can spend less money and buy a young tree and it can develop really quickly and fill out your landscaping really well. But what landscapers will tell you is that fast growth is not always the best route to go. Oftentimes, those fast-growing trees put all of their energy into growing in height, and they can end up being kind of spindly. The leaves can be dull. The fruit might not develop properly. There can be a really shallow root system and really weak wood. And what this causes is that when there are seasons of drought, the tree can't sustain itself and dies out. Or if there's a, a strong storm with, with strong winds, the weak wood can't sustain, can't withstand the, the pressures of the storm around it. Fast growth is impressive, but it's not always long standing. And fast growing trees often only last for a few decades. But here in California, we see trees like the sequoias and the redwoods that are thousands of years old they grow grew really really slowly but they have outlasted nations and dynasties a single tree that has outlasted entire nations slow growth isn't exciting but slow growth is one of the ways that god works in our lives change that we don't see from one day to the next but when we look back over the course of our lives we see that god has steadily been doing something in us below the surface a work that might not be noticed by all the people around us but a good work nonetheless we don't always like slow and small. We're a people who embrace the big and the impressive. Faster is almost always better. But perhaps slow does have its advantages. There's a, a nonprofit called Renovare, and it um, prints and publishes articles and books um, to help Christians in their spiritual growth and spiritual development. And they, at one point, um, hired a marketing firm to help them get more traffic on their websites to read these articles about spiritual growth. And one of the the marketing firms came with their pitch uh, to the the heads of this organization, and this is um, how the, the heads of the organization talked about it. As they were speaking, they said, this agency means well, but they keep suggesting headlines like four easy steps to spiritual growth. If we want to be accurate what we really need is how to become more like jesus in 70 challenging years all right but nobody's going to click on that article right (laughs) change can and does happen in our lives sometimes god does do it in in a quick miraculous work but more often than not it happens slowly and at a pace that is much slower than we're comfortable with. The article went on to say that, let's not mistake God's patience for inactivity. And let's remember in the words of Peter's friend, the Apostle Paul, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion, even if it takes 70 challenging years. Will we we trust in the slow work of God in our lives? Will we trust in the slow work of God in our spouse and our kids and our friends' lives? Will we trust in the slow work of God in our community's life? Growth that might not be at the rate, the speed that we want it to be, but work that is happening nonetheless below the surface as God does a good work in his people growing us just like he grew Jesus, in wisdom and stature and understanding, favor with God and man, that all happened in relative obscurity over the course of decades. And also for us to remember that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. May we be a people who trust in that slow work of God. This morning, we have the opportunity to come before the Lord's table together as his people. And as we we take this opportunity to to come to the Lord's table and and receive communion together, may we do it as as a a community in in a way that causes us to remember that Jesus is at work in our lives. Isn't it amazing that Jesus chose for this this um, institution that he set up, the Eucharist, this moment for us to, to be with him together, to be united as his body, that he would use the ordinary elements of bread and wine